Blackman. If you have your Bibles, feel a little close. If you, if you have your Bibles, I'll back up and you go to Acts chapter 1. If you are a guest with us today, man, thank you so much for being here at Blackman Baptist Church. My name is Brandon. You came on a good day because we are starting a new sermon series this week called The Church That Changes the World. And for the next few weeks, we're going to walk through the first two chapters of Acts. So I'm going to set the series up first before we get into our actual text today. So what we're going to see in the first two chapters of Acts is sort of the origin story of the most significant and the most transformative movement in the history of the world. And we're going to ask ourselves a question or two each week as a church in light of what we see in the first church. Now, it might feel, feel strange to wrestle with the example of the world-changing original church while we sit among, you know, 90 people in a metal building in Middle Tennessee, right? Like, we're, gro we're a growing church, but nobody's like, that's the biggest church I've ever seen. Like, we're going to compare ourselves to the original church, but that's kind of the beautiful point of doing it. The capital C church started small, and its impact in the lives of people meeting Jesus, of, of people finding joy in Jesus, its impact globally has rippled out from that small first gathering ever since. And like us, they didn't know what the impact of their work would be. Like, the first church didn't know that generation after generation of disciples making disciples would end up eventually impacting us here in Murfreesboro 2,000 years later. Like, we're a descendant of the church we're about to look at. They didn't even know Murfreesboro was a thing because it wasn't actually a thing. The same thing is true for us. Like, we don't know what the Lord might do through our church. And I'm not just talking about growing us numerically. I'm talking about the, the, how the Lord can work through us exponentially. Like, we don't know the lives that will impact in the next weeks. That could, and then who they'll impact in the next years to the extent that the hope and healing of Jesus could be being proclaimed through that lineage a hundred years from now or a, a thousand years from now. That's the exponential beauty of the church that changes the world. Like, we don't even know the impact of this church on the grandkids of the people in this church. We've got four people in the Dominican Republic right now, and who knows? Maybe they lead the next DR Billy Graham to the Lord, or maybe they're just the first person that talks to some kid whose the, the door to the gospel is cracked open in their heart. Like, that's how the kingdom works. And it's why it's so compelling to look at a small church in Scripture, see how they functioned, see how they pursued joy in Jesus together, because we get to study Acts in light of all that we don't know about the future of our church. So to help us get thinking in the right direction about these questions, let me tell you about a time my dad modeled something for me versus a time when my dad did not model something for me. Okay. So much more powerful when something is modeled, we're much more likely to succeed when we have an example of something. And unfortunately, my dad never modeled shaving for me. 
I only had, this is true, Dad, if you're listening, I only had the concept. Uh, I just knew that I was supposed to shave. At some point, hair started growing on my face. This was prior to YouTube, so I could not look up anybody online to model it for me. So I just bought a razor and some shaving cream and started guessing. And nobody showed me how to do it, so I just put the shaving cream from here down. Cause, so right here, from, from all the way up to my eyeballs. And as a 13 to 14-year-old, I would just shave from my under eyes down, which I've learned is not what people do. And apparently, the unfortunate unintended consequence of that decision is that you can train hairs to get stronger and healthier. Meaning that if you were to see me unshaven, I get prickly basically everywhere from my forehead down. (laughs) It's not ideal. Uh, So I knew the concept of shaving, but I didn't have an example of shaving, and so now I'm a 41-year-old with lower eyeball beard. Okay, but in contrast, Dad, you did this right at least, although now that I'm 41 and retired from basketball, I would happily trade these two modelings. But my dad did model how to play basketball for me. He modeled for me how to shoot a basketball. Any of you that played ball, he taught me beef. He modeled for me how to handle a basketball over and over again, shot after shot. And even for a very athletically limited person, I got pretty good at basketball. Like 10 years ago at the YMCA, you would have wanted me on your team. <laughs> now it's a blown Achilles for sure, so I don't do it. But I, was, I wasn't just told to play basketball, I was shown how to do it. So it's more powerful to have a model than just a concept, and therefore it is beautiful. That when we consider being the church together, when we consider being the organization that shows the love of Jesus, that shares the message of Jesus with the world, it's incredible that Jesus doesn't just tell us to do it, but he records what it looked like when the first church changed the world at the very beginning. So that's what we're going to do in this series. And here's what we're going to do this morning. Here's the first question for us to answer together as a church. It's the first thing that we're going to see in Acts chapter 1. Do we trust in an ascended Savior? Do we trust in an ascended Savior? Because remember, we finished the book of Matthew last week in Matthew 28. Jesus rose from the dead. He gathered his disciples. He gave them the Great Commission. And we're going to basically pick up where we left off last week. At the end of Matthew, in the first chapter of Acts, we're going to see Jesus' ascension, and we're going to see the words that he spoke as he was doing that and ask ourselves, do we trust what our ascended Savior said? The early church heard them, believed him, changed the world. Will we? So let's read the first 11 verses of the book of Acts together. Are you ready? Weston is ready. I wrote this first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. There it is. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about, and we're actually going to get back to that a little bit, 
For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? This actually fits really, really well with what we studied this morning, if any of you are in group. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But, this is the key verse for today. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, what were they doing? They were gazing into the heaven. Of course they were. And suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come again in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. There's so much in those verses, but let's start with this. Did you notice that in Matthew 28, we looked at the last couple of weeks, Jesus said, go into all the world. But this version, he clarifies, go into all the world, but first wait for God's promise. First, wait for God's power. He said, don't dare leave Jerusalem until you've been clothed in power from on high. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit's power was coming, and we're actually going to talk about that in like three or four weeks in the series. But let's ask a few questions of this text to help us trust what Jesus said about that power and about that work that we're to be about as a church. And the first question is this. This is really the key question for today. Why did Jesus leave? Goodness gracious. What a fascinating question, right? Why did Jesus ascend into heaven at all? I mean, why not just stay, Jesus? Just stay. I mean, especially in light of the context, humanity waited for Jesus for thousands of years, needing a rescuer before Jesus came to save us from our sins. Thousands of years of prophecy and expectation before Jesus came, God in the flesh, before the Messiah arrived. He lived a perfect life, does his public ministry, miracles, fame, opposition. He goes to the cross. He dies for sin in victory, appearing to hundreds of his followers. He's shown emphatically at that moment that he can defeat sin and death. He's done it. The thing that we waited for thousands of years to have happen, happens, and he wants that message taken to the world, and he immediately leaves. That's an interesting strategy. So why did Jesus leave us? Well, verse 8 gives us two reasons, and these are the two things that we get to wrestle with and deeply believe if we're to be the church that Jesus, is, that Jesus desires. So let's read that verse 8 again. Man, let this be us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So first notice that he said we would be his witnesses, not his watchers. Jesus said, I'm going away so that you will be witnesses of what I have done, not watchers of what I might do if I were to stay, right? 
In verse 11, like, and we know he's right. One, Jesus is always right. But we also know he's right because what did the disciples do as soon as he said that? There's, the angels have to intervene. The disciples wouldn't even stop watching the clouds. The angels had to intervene. We want to be watchers of Jesus. And how in the world would they have been witnesses of Jesus if he had stayed around so that they could watch him? I mean, church, think about it. Everybody on earth needs to hear the news that Jesus rescues and saves like he's done for those of us in this room who have experienced it. And Jesus knew that if he stayed on earth in his physical body after he had won for us salvation and life forever through that physical body, that the message would probably only get as far as he could carry it with his physical body. Because answer this question. This will tell you that I'm, this will tell you that Jesus is right. Forget me. If Jesus was still physically on this earth in Israel right now, where would you be? Mike knows. The answer is pretty simple. We'd all be in Israel. <laughs> like, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to us. There's not even a second, a close second. Christian, <laughs> if you could get a plane, get on a plane right now and go hug Jesus, you wouldn't go home to pack. I was alone in the car for quite a few hours yesterday, driving back from preaching my grandmother's funeral. And I had the best time worshiping that I, I can't remember the last time I've just had just myself and I'm singing out loud in my car. Life is busy. And I just sang this one song with this one band over and over again about being in Jesus' presence. It was lovely. Can you imagine if all I had to do was go to the Nashville airport? I wouldn't finish this sermon. I'd be out of here. And you'd all be, you'd beat me there. If Jesus was really in Israel today, he'd have to make us go away. Otherwise, we'd just be all in Jerusalem waiting in line with our ticket number 798 to, for our next turn to hug Jesus and to be comforted by Jesus and to talk about him. After Jesus died for our sins and defeated our deaths, he knew he had to leave us behind and send us what he himself called a better counselor. And it's better because the spirit of Jesus, because he is gone, is now with all of us all at once. He's within us, making us witnesses, not beside us, making us watchers. So do we believe that we're his witnesses? Do we trust that his way is better than him staying behind? There's a second answer to the question, why did Jesus leave, that, that we get to wrestle with, understand, that we see in the text. Verse 8, not only said that we would be Jesus' witnesses, but that we would receive his power, right? So not only does the ascension mean that there's no, like, physical bottleneck of Jesus blocking the mission of taking salvation to the world, but there's also now the potential for billions of little Jesuses all at the same time. The word Christian actually means little Christ. And that's what we have the opportunity. Each one of us who have been given a relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus, we've been given the opportunity to become a little Christ, a church full of little Christ's. Jesus said in John 16 about this, when he was here in a physical body, he said, it is for your benefit that I go away. 
He's telling us, it's your benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor, the spirit of Jesus will not come to you. If I go, I'll send them to you. And if you're a Christian, he's sent his powerful spirit to you. So why did Jesus ascend? Because Jesus knew that when he left, he would send his spirit and there wouldn't just be one person with the power and comfort of Christ, but many. Please forgive me for a second basketball reference in the same sermon. (laughs) But this will help you even if you don't like sports. Think about this. What if I gave you two options for building uh, an NBA championship team? Option one is you can have Steph Curry on your team. Now, Steph Curry is a league MVP, league finals MVP in the NBA, for those of you who hate sports analogies. He's universally considered to be the greatest shooter that's ever lived. You can have him on your team. Or option two is you can send Steph Curry to heaven and then give his basketball power to 10 other players. So you can have one Steph Curry or you can have 10 players with the power of Steph Curry. There's no choice. That's basically what Jesus did. He went to heaven and then gave himself to all of his people. Do we believe that he did that? That's what you should see when you look around this church and this metal building right now. A team of people with the power of Christ and the comfort of Christ and the love of Christ and a mission to share that with the world because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up as they were watching. So Jesus left so that we could have his power and be his witnesses. But I'm going to take it up a notch. The truth that we can trust in together right now as a body is actually more incredible than that. Because remember, in John 14, Jesus talked about this future departure, and he said this in verse 12 of John 14. Truly I tell you, this is super famous, plug it in to him saying he said this to the people that are at his ascension truly i tell you the one who believes in me will also do the works that i do and he will do even greater works than these because i'm going to the father so get just get the whole picture putting these pieces together jesus told his disciples back in john 12 that he would leave them and that they would do greater things than him then he told them he would re- they would receive his spirit inside of them. And in Matthew 28, he rises from the dead, gathers his people for the mission. And in Acts 1, we learned that when he gathered them, he said to them, you're going to receive my power and be my witnesses. Why would Jesus say, I'm going to send you out as my witnesses to do greater things than me? How could that be? Blackman, how could that be? Here's how. My, my kids and Weston's kids, it's trying to connect right now to my Switch. Or not my Switch, my daughter's Switch. My kids and Weston's kids have played a lot of video games together the last couple of months. Uh, all six kids, I guess, kind of stand around the TV and take turns playing Zelda. And... Uh, 
I've not, I'm not even sure I've tried it yet, but my, my, my oldest daughter loves Zelda. She's great at it, way better than me. But all of my girls agree that the Wax Boys are next level. Like, maybe, maybe YouTube superstar talent level. And I don't know enough about this game to get this right. But for illustrative purposes, let's say that Benjamin tells Dewey and Joy, you're going to do greater things than me in this game. I said this to them this morning. They laughed. (laughs) That's impossible. They would undoubtedly think, and I can now confirm from breakfast, they would say, there's no way that we could do greater things than you, Benjamin and Zelda. You're the best. And here's what Benjamin would say. Hey, Dewey, Joy, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get us through the ancient wizard woods of death. <laughs> I don't think it's called that. <laughs> and here's what he, Benjamin, this is what you got to say, buddy. You could never get through the ancient wizard woods of death on your own. But I can, and I'm going to get you through the ancient wizard woods of death, and I'm going to beat the divine orc beast (laughs) with my ruby mithril lance. (laughs) Girls, after, do we enjoy, Benjamin says, after I get through I'm going to cry talking about Zelda. (laughs) After I get through the ancient wizard woods of death and after I destroy the, thank God I get to say this so it's not, I won't cry anymore, the divine orc beast (laughs) with my ruby mithril lance. That will unlock the golden mage arrows. (laughs) Also not a thing, I understand. Powerful weapon in the game. <laughs> Crying over Zelda. It's the most ancient power. It's the most powerful power there is. And then he tells Dewey and Joy, I'm going to get you that power, which he has actually done. And then I'm going to go back to my house. You're the greatest power. And that's the testimony of a follower of Jesus looking to our ascended Savior. Jesus said, I'm going to go through the ancient wizard woods of death for you. And I'm going to defeat the enemies of death and Satan for you. I'm going to do it. Jesus says, Christian, hear me. Brandon, hear me. Jesus says, you can do greater things than me because I'm going to do the things that you can't do. And when I'm done, I'm going to give you the most ancient power there is. Church, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the most stunning authority. Brothers and sisters, Jesus says, I'm going to put my power inside of your chest. And I'm going to go back to God and watch you be greater. I'm going to put the finished work of the cross inside of you. I'm going to put the spirit of resurrected life inside of you. And watch you be my witnesses, filled with power from on high. Jesus said that in so many words. Do we trust him?
Let me say it a little bit differently. Do you trust that you have his greater power, his finished work power to be a witness to his wonders in your own life? Because isn't that where it starts? In our lives? Maybe you feel less likely to be a powerful witness for Jesus because you think, I was. you didn't. But you've seen resurrected Myra, resurrected Ralph, resurrected JJ, resurrected Rhonda. Resurrected Rhonda's not here today, but we've seen her. She's in the nursery. She's resurrected and over in the nursery right now. Fill your name in the blank. I've seen resurrected Brandon. Too often, I still see the Brandon who used to be dead in his sins. But I've seen, and you have seen, even in glimpses, resurrected life. And when Jesus says to his followers back then and now that we will be his powerful witnesses, he's talking to people who have tasted and seen that he's good. He's talking... Watch, he's talking to people who have already trusted in his greatest promise. We can trust in this one because we trusted in that one, right? Speaking of his ultimate promise, listen to what Jesus said also in the book of John, also in chapter 12 of the book of John in verse 31. He says, now is the, now is the judgment of this world. Watch, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. We trust him to do that he said as for me if i am lifted up from the earth i will draw all people to myself he said this to indicate the manner of death he was about to die do we trust our ascended savior of course we do jesus said i'm going to the cross and then he went there jesus said i'm gonna rise again in three days and then he did that Jesus said, I'm going to rescue sinners, and I'm going to love them forever. And he was doing it then, and he is doing it now. Can you imagine not trusting Jesus when he said, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance? No, that, our lives are built around that. That same Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the power from on high, inside of you. That same Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. That same Jesus said, you will do greater works than me because you'll have an already finished work. So do we believe it? Do we believe it? Jesus said it. The early church modeled it, and we'll see more about that in the coming weeks. Will we believe it and live it? So here's the brief encouragement I have for you this week. Here's a, a very uh, specific thing I'm asking you to do. Small step of faith. If you have, if you're in this room, you have a relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus, that means he's canceled your sin. That means he has given you his power, his spirit. It's goodness if you've witnessed it. Can you ha ask him to help you believe this week that you have his power 
to be his witness. I want you to believe it. My thought is this. If this is something that you struggle with, can you ask Jesus to help you believe it for one specific hour this week? Start there. Look at your calendar for this week and find, I did this uh, this morning. Look in your calendar for this week and find the hour in your schedule that you most want to believe that you have resurrected greater things, power of Jesus inside of you and ask him to help you trust him for that, for that one hour. Can we be a one hour witness this week? He's done it. Can we remember our resurrected life and his resurrected power for one hour this week? The church that changes the world is really people who have been changed by Jesus, trusting in him to be strong in them. That's what it is. So let's ask the Lord right now for his power, even for one hour this week. And while we do it, why don't we thank him for resurrecting us? That's what moves us out. Father, I thank you for these people, these new friends, brothers and sisters. God, I pray if there's anybody in this room right now of any age who does not have a relationship with you through the finished work of Jesus Christ, that even as we stand, even as we sing, that you would draw them to yourself. God, I pray that you would help them to see their need for you, help them to see the joy that you have available, the abundance you have available both now and forever. And I pray that they would see their sin and know they can't have it without you and that they would ask Jesus to be in their place. And for those of us who do have a relationship with you, even as we sing, would you remind us of how much you've loved us, of how much you've rescued us, of how much you have changed and are changing us, how much you have loved and are loving us. And I pray that you would give us true trust that not only have you saved us, but you filled us and you have called us. Give us true trust that we have something to witness about. We've seen, we've seen just the hem of your robe sometimes. We've seen just a taste of your goodness, just a trickle of your power, and it's the most thing we've seen. Help us to be for one hour or for a hundred hours this week. People who trust you to be beautiful and powerful and comforting and loving through us. Thank you for being all those things to us in the name of Christ.